Good morning. Oh, come on, you're all awake. Let's do it. Good morning. <laughs> it's good to be with you here this, again this morning. As we continue and as a follow-up, as, as Bill was talking about follow, as a follow-up, uh, just to, to recap where we are right now, we have over 31 churches that are participating in this region along with us as we go through follow, and that's, that's over 1,700 people that are now on this journey uh, and, and walking through what it means to be on mission with Jesus, to live a lifestyle where we're walking with Him. And, and where we started this journey was, you know, what's our why? Why, why are we doing this? And, and we started with the idea and the understanding that, that God knows things, God sees things in ways we can't, right? He's God. He can see it all. And he sees the end from the beginning. So, so we, we go to him. We want to listen to God's voice. We want to hear the wisdom. We want to adjust to those things that he's revealing. And then we, we get to the point where Jesus says, go and make disciples. And, and, and so we have this command to discover, develop, and deploy disciples as Jesus commanded. But, and we, we ask, why? Because it's not like Jesus is saying, hey, go do this. I'm not involved. The reason there's a why there with discover, develop, deploy disciples as Jesus commanded is because it's the work he's already doing. So when he says to the disciples, hey, go and make disciples, it, it means come along because the work that I began with you is continuing and I'm going to be continuing to do that work through the Holy Spirit and I want you to join me in it. That's why we use the word follow for the whole journey and that's why when we talk about being a disciple, a more accurate description of being a disciple is a follower of Jesus which sort of begs a question. Is being a disciple or follower, is that a destination? Or is it an identity? If it's a destination, then I can say I'm a Christian. I've already arrived at some sort of belief, and that's the end of it. If it's a journey, if it's my identity, I'm really never done. If I'm following Jesus, I'm always following him. He's always growing me. And so we spent some time unpacking things over the last couple of weeks about uh, you know, being able to see what he's revealing and, and see and let God bring our imagination up so that we can see that in concrete our reality and, and allow God to imagine us, help us imagine ways to live that we wouldn't naturally do. And we talked a little bit about um, the difference between what we do and what he does. And last week, Paul gave us that example of, you know, I, I came to be among you, not to be wise and persuasive and influential, but I just want to know Jesus crucified. He wanted to be hidden behind Jesus so that all of his faults and flaws, but yet, miraculously, as Jesus worked through him the way God designed Paul, beautifully came out to have the impact that God designed. And so we can be hidden and die with Jesus, but yet still be alive. In Jesus. So we want to we allow ourselves to be hidden with him and then allow him to work through us and make us into something incredibly beautiful. We're going to go just a step deeper in that because the value and focus this week is that I will prepare others to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus, and to, and to love like Jesus. Notice the word prepare. I will prepare others to follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and love like Jesus. Just having that word prepare there, again, underscores what is the work we do versus the work God does. This week is going to be, you know, Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 3, and I don't know if, if many of you have discovered that, but Paul sometimes uses mixed metaphors. 
you know, you're reading through with Paul and like one, you know, in one minute you're, you're in one analogy and then you're in another analogy. And by the time you get to the end, you go, wait a minute. Somehow he brought that together, but I'm still not quite sure I unpacked it all. We're going to go through one of those when he's writing to the Corinthians because he's got some mixed metaphors. But if, you know, if you look at the thread that goes through all of it, what he's trying to help us see is all around this value. There are some things that Paul pulls out in these analogies to, to bring contrast so that we can go, okay, this is what God does. This is what we should do. Here's where we set our eyes. Here's where, where we let God, we trust God and we follow the Spirit. It's also the place where we can discern this is not a destination. We, don't, we never arrive at being a disciple. We're always being discipled by Jesus. But there is a point in our journey where we're mature enough and we're discipling others. And he's going to unpack that for us. So let's pray and then we'll get right into it. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Again, Holy Spirit, we invite you to lead, guide, and direct because Jesus said, you will direct us into all truth. You know it. You see it all. So we're trusting you, Holy Spirit, to lead, guide, and direct us today and help us see the truth of who we are in you, who you've called us to be, and how we walk with you on the mission you're already engaged in. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn to 1 Corinthians 3, or if you want to follow along on the screen, Paul is writing to them, and, and it, just to give a little context, when Paul wrote a letter to the early churches, he would write it to the community of believers in that city. And so if he said the church at Corinth, he meant all the believers who gathered in that region. And so they, when he sent a letter, normally they would all come together and they read that letter. And sometimes those letters were really encouraging. Sometimes those letters were really challenging. This is one that's a little bit challenging. So hang in there. Here we go. Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I couldn't speak to you as to spiritual, but as to being fleshly, as to babies in Messiah or in Jesus. I fed you with milk, not with solid food, for you weren't ready. Indeed, you're not ready now, for you're still fleshly insofar as there is jealousy and strife and factions among you. Aren't you fleshly? And don't you walk in the ways of men. For one of you says, I follow Paul. Another one says, I follow Apollos. Aren't you fleshly? All right, so that's a little bit of a smack in the face to start the day. But do you get where Paul's going with this? Just right away, he just dives right in. There are things that when, when, when they come up in us, it kind of tells us where we are on the journey. And if we're walking in our own walk, wrestling with those things, those are places where we say, you know, I, I, I'm not mature yet. And when we're walking with somebody else in the journey, we have to be able to walk and go, yeah, they're not quite mature yet. Now, those struggles may never completely be gone. Hopefully, we begin to live in a way that they are less and almost gone. And by God's grace, never seen because they're, his power makes it so that they don't actually come to the surface. But it's in us to be human, and it's in us to try and do things out of our own strength. It's in us to try and do things our own way. And what he's showing them is, look, 
You got strife, you got division. Let me put it to you a little bit differently in our context. As long as we're name dropping, as long as we're aligning to politicians, as long as we're saying, I like this pastor and not that pastor, as long as we're saying, I like this kind of preaching and that kind of preaching, as long as we're saying any of those types of things that align to a human leader or a preference, then according to Paul, we're fleshly. We're living by the flesh. We're still trying to do all this in our own strength. See, human teachers are just fellow believers. They're just fellow believers. When we're divided over allegiances to people, it shows the immaturity of our faith. It just does. And that's not something, again, remember I've said before, when God brings these things to us, there's no shame attached to it. It's simply for us to look at and go, oh, yeah, I'm not growing up there yet. God, help me get my eyes off of people. Sometimes that comes out not in, not in allegiances to people. Sometimes it comes out in people-pleasing, where the opinions of others matter to us so much that we'll compromise what we know is good and what we know is right in order to not be thought poorly of or to have an argument. It's the opposite of what Paul laid out last week when he said, I just want to know Jesus crucified. In other words, let, let just all of that stuff, all that human mess and all the ways in which I get balled up in all the people stuff, let that be dead on the cross with Jesus so that I can fully live in the power that he's calling me to live in. Then he goes on. Check out verse five. He says, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? Just servants through whom you believed. And each as the Lord gave to them. I planted Apollos watered. God gave the increase. God does the growing. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase is everything. Now he who plants and he who waters are the same, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's cultivated land. You're his building. So now we're getting into the mixed metaphors. We went from agriculture to construction. I don't know if you caught that. You're God's cultivated land. You're God's building. So he, and, he, and he's not going to let up on this. These two pictures are going to follow us all the way through. So I'm going to do my best to, to unpack both of you. And you'll you see a little bit of why this is here. So we've got our milk, right? So instead of being on solid food, this is, this is our heart check. This is our, like, if I'm still tuned into people stuff, if I'm still into allegiances around people or people pleasing or name dropping or politics, you know, if I'm divided because of an allegiance to somebody else, then I need to really check my heart and see where God is in the midst of this. It doesn't mean sometimes that we as a people may stand together with what God is doing against something that is unright or unjust. What I'm saying is when we get into the, the place of, you know, I follow so-and-so. I think Gilbert is such an amazing pastor. I never want to be there when Nate preaches. Like that, not okay. And not because I'm up here. You know, the opposite is not okay. You know, I think Nate's such a great pe preacher. I don't want to be there when, when Bill preaches, you know, or I don't want to be there when Allison or somebody other woman preaches because I don't think God can call a woman. We're going to get here. This is milk. That's where Paul says, if we're stuck there, again, there's no shame. Don't feel shame. Hear the honest truth. 
from the word of God and go, yeah, you know what? I need to grow there. God, teach me. God, show me. And he'd be like, yeah, I'm in. All for it. But we come down to the rest of the metaphor. Your cultivated land. Your God's building. So he takes this thing off the board of saying, you know, leaders. Leaders that you enjoy. Leaders that you listen to. Leaders that impact you. That's great. But your allegiance isn't to them. You don't follow them. You follow Jesus. They're following Jesus. You're simply coming alongside. And they have a job to do, which may be teaching, which may be encouraging, which may be shepherding, it may be, may be apostolic, maybe prophetic, maybe things that they're seeing ahead and they're the planners, they're the organists, whatever. They're functioning in a giftedness and a calling. That's all it is. They're not worthy of your devotion. Only Jesus is. And he says, your cultivated land, you're God's building. So then we come to our, uh, our mag float or trowel for building. We've got our brick for building. We're going to come back to that in a minute. But what he's setting up is the contrast we have as followers of Jesus. The contrast to what Paul just said. If we're in milk, we think it's all about this stuff. We think it's all about the organization. We think it's all about the people. We think it's all about the, the things that we do as people. And he's saying, no. People development is what it's all about. And to be a disciple isn't how religious we are and how faithful we are to religious things. Being a disciple means we are actively engaged with Jesus in developing people. And remember what I said a few weeks ago, the mirror always turns to us first. Am I being developed? Am I being matured? Am I, and am I at the point where I can walk with somebody else? I may not be fully mature, that's okay. But is there a point at which I'm no longer stumbling over all of the people things and the organizational things and the religious things and I can actually articulate something simple to help somebody take a next step? Then I'm mature enough to start developing someone else. Let me put it to you differently. Piano players, young students, you master book one. Guess what? You can't teach somebody to be a concert pianist, but you're ready to teach somebody else book one. And you should. If you play sports, you go through the basics. You're playing soccer, playing baseball. You know how to bat. You know how to dribble. You know how to shoot. You may not be great at it. You may not be... NFL quality for football, or, or you may not be on the World Cup level for soccer, but you can help somebody else begin to learn. And what Paul is trying to help us see is it's not about all this stuff that we get caught up in, and I want to be like so-and-so and so-and-so, but if we're truly trying to be like Jesus, we take what has been invested in us, and we want to invest that in others. People development, spiritually and personally, is the work of discipleship. It is the work of discipleship. In other words, if we say we're a follower of Jesus, we have no other job but to develop people. No other job. That means no matter what I'm doing, in the midst of it, how do I encourage? How do I strengthen? How do I adjust? How do I help somebody else take their next step in this? See, helping me, people mature in who they are and how to live according to the gospel, that is our work. That is the watering. That's the planting. 
that Paul's talking about. It's the tending, and it's Jesus who brings the growth and the change. So we get mixed up. We get mixed up in the, the, the stuff that we do, who's supposed to do it, who's the leader, how do we do this stuff, and then we get mixed up on who's actually making things happen. Because when we think we are doing all the stuff and we start arguing about the stuff, that's one way that we go off and we take things into our own hands. And then when we think we're the ones responsible to make the growth happen, then that's the other place we take things into our own hands. And Paul's like, whoa, back up, back up. God provides the growth. And where that mirror turns to us, we have to be able to see these analogies. We're the cultivated field. What does that mean? When you cultivate a field. I'm going to ask you, what does it mean if you cultivate a field? Prepare it for what? Prepare it for growth. Grow what? Crops. It could be cover, crop, cover crops, could be food crops. I can't talk yet. This my Bill, thanks. You're like passing it along. <laughs> cover, cover crops, could be food crops, could be anything, but you're, you're making the soil. Now, if you prepare the soil to grow one thing and something else gets planted there, is it going to be as fruitful? Maybe. Depends on if they're compatible crops. Maybe not. So who's in charge of that cultivation, according to Paul? We're God's cultivated land. So God cultivates, but then again, we join him in that cultivating. So how do I know how to prepare something in somebody if I'm not listening to him. If I'm walking with somebody and I'm trying to help them wrestle through something in life or I'm getting them prepared for something that I see coming that maybe they're not ready to see yet and I'm doing it in my own strength and I'm doing it from my own perspective, guess what? I may prepare that land wrong. And what God wants to grow there won't grow. But I sure checked all my boxes. I hit every point of the Romans road. I made sure they heard about Jesus before they walked out the door because if they got hit by a bus, they might go straight to hell. Like, this is where we get locked into things that is not what we're called to. We're God's cultivated land. We're God's building. He's going to unpack that right here. Look at verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another one builds on it. But let each person be careful how they build on it, for no one can lay any other foundation than that which has been laid, which is Jesus. See, we forget that we work with and for Jesus. That if we call ourselves a follower, we work with and for Jesus. That doesn't mean we do for him hoping that he'll go, oh, hey, great job. But when I say we work for him, that means we're already aware of what he's doing. We're already listening and we're joining him. So the work we're doing for him is actually with him and with his leadership, not something we're doing and hoping he likes it, hoping it gets us some points and some credits. But we have to be careful we don't take those things into our own hands and do those things for our own reasons. I'm going to unpack something right here that some of you may turn it off right now because of what I'm going to say. Remember, I started at the beginning and I said, there are things that, that reveal our immaturity. All right, don't get mad at me. 
Because again, I'm just trying to be a faithful servant, okay? Just trying to be faithful here, just faithful. This is going to get ugly. Ready? If you have ever, ever uttered the words, we hired the pastor to do that, you are immature and you deny the gospel. If you have ever sat in a position where you believe that the leaders that have been hired or called to an organization are the ones who do the work of ministry, then according to Paul, not according to Nate, according to Paul, you are engaging in a behavior of saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos. You're expecting someone else to carry the ball that's yours. You're demonstrating an immaturity that says, oh, no, 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 I don't develop people. Now, whatever's under that, if it's the I don't know how or I've never done it or nobody's discipled me, then that's where the honesty needs to come. Again, not guilt, not shame, but an honesty that says, I'm truly immature. I was elected to this position because there was an empty seat and I was a warm body. And I don't know what I'm doing. Good, step down. Let the whole be there until you're mature. And it's a caution for other leaders. Don't put somebody in that position because you are forcing someone to live in immaturity, something that's going to put them on a path that will break the nature of what God wants to do in them and in the community that they're a part of. You'll burn them out. You'll crush their spirit. And they won't want to have anything to do with Jesus or church. Or worse, they'll like it. And they'll think it's their opportunity to govern and to rule. And they'll take it into their own hands and they will lead you to a place that has nothing to do with Jesus. This is where the human stuff takes over. Paul says, if we're going to build, we need to be careful and build as a wise builder. Look at the rest of what he says. <laughs> okay, all right, one more thing. Legacies. God help me. Help me to be gracious. If you are doing things, thinking about your legacy, you are breaking the gospel. You are breaking the gospel. Because if you engage in something saying, what about my legacy? Or what about the legacy we leave behind? Then you have your eyes on human things again. You're still saying, I follow Paul or I follow Apollos. Or you're saying, please come follow me, I'm Paul. Please come follow me, I'm Apollos. No. Your legacy doesn't matter. There's only one legacy that matters, and you join it. That's the legacy of Christ. See, someday we're all going to be forgotten. Newsflash. Someday there are going to be generations that have no idea who Gilbert and Nate and, and Phil, and it, like, they're, gonna have any, they're not going to have any idea who we are. But they may have a chance of knowing who Jesus is. Because if we live our life in such a way that his legacy moves forward, his legacy is eternal. Ours is temporary. It will always be temporary. And if we live for that legacy, sure, we may build it really well, and it could go for 30, 40, 50 years. It may go out four generations. Who cares? Because after that, it's done. But Jesus' legacy carries on forever. 
That's the legacy we want to pursue. That's why we don't hire the pastor to do people development. That's why we don't follow each other as if somehow we're gods. But look at what Paul says. We must be so careful how we approach this cultivated land. We must be so careful how we build. Because he says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold and silver and costly stones and wood and hay or straw, each person's work will be revealed. For when that day comes, it's going to declare what was built because it will be revealed in fire. And the fire itself will test the sort of work that each man's work is. Every man's work, which remains, which he built on it, will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as one through fire. Don't you know you're God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, which you are. So that last piece he gives is a caution. Be like, look, again, I'm going to say it again. It's almost like, he's, like I said at the beginning, be careful how you build. I'm going to say it again. Be careful how you build. Because if you build improperly and it gets destroyed, you're messing with God. Translated, if you invest in the life of a person and you do it in your own strength and you take them down a path you think they need to go on and you're not listening to the Holy Spirit, be careful because you may be going against God. You may be short-circuiting something he wants to do with their growth. But the other piece of that is make sure what you build into them is costly. Costly. What's the picture? Imagine we take this brick and this trowel and we build on a foundation and, and, and I start laying into the foundation the brick and I start laying the mortar, and I put all that out there, and then I put on top of it newspaper and tissue paper. And then I put on top of that a little gasoline. Now that gets set on fire. What's going to be left of the work that I did? That's what Paul's trying to get across. We want to use costly things, things that will endure fire. Life is hard. It's fire. And even more so, when we come to the day of judgment, we stand before God, he's going to be like, yeah, watch this. Here's what's left. And you're going, oh, I gave people a lot of paper. I gave them a lot of straw. And he'll say, yeah, you can still come in. But you're one escaping from fire, smoke of the flames, because you tried to shortcut on things. Thanks for trying. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't want to be walking into relationship with Jesus going, oh. there's a certain extent to which he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes, and it will be remembered no more. But I really don't want to start my time in eternity that way wishing that other people would be there. But unfortunately, I invested in their life with paper and straw. And it got burned up in the fire of life. See, our concern is the planting and the watering and the tending of the seed of the kingdom. We don't just invest in people so they feel better about themselves. We don't invest in people to say, oh, you deserve it. 
We walk with people to help them grow, not even for their own sake, per se, but for the kingdom. Why? Again, go back to week one. Because we know God has a plan and a design for them. He's able to lead them into a fullness of life that they themselves may not have fully realized yet. And they're going to be the fullest, most alive version of themselves in him and by his power. So we take the time to water, to plant, to tend, so that they can become fully mature. Whenever we make a name for ourselves and call ourselves, call something mine or my, I don't know, it, this bothers me a lot in church circles. It happens, you know, my church, my elders. I catch myself doing it every now and then. I'm like, I want to smack myself publicly, but, you know, then people wonder what's wrong with you. Um, but this, whenever we call something my or mine, or we allow others to, you know, to put their expectations on, on what should happen, we're, we're, we're going on a mission apart from Christ. We shouldn't be concerned with our legacy. We should be concerned about planting and watering and tending that leads to the legacy of Christ in the lives of the people around us. So Paul finishes with this, these last two statements, and he says, look, let no one deceive themselves. If anyone thinks that he is wise among you in this world, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. It's written. He's taken the wise in their craftiness. It's basically an expression that means, look, if we take our eyes off Jesus, if our eyes are fixed on human celebrities in the faith, then we start to go down the path of I follow Paul and I follow Apollos. But if we take our eyes off these human celebrities of the faith and we understand that nature and the relationship with Jesus, we become aware how, of how much is already accessible and available to us through Jesus. Let me, let me say it this way. What were the first two things? People development personally and spiritually is the work of discipleship, right? And what was the second one? Our concern is the watering, the planting, the tending. Let's face it. You're going to have all kinds of people in your life. Some are going to stick their tongue out and be prickly. Just is. Some are just going to be weird. Okay? Some are going to be the woo party. But we cannot, we cannot truly invest in the lives of people and have them become fully who they're meant to be if we're following Christian celebrities and celebrities of the faith. Paul's basically saying, if, if we do that, we're deceiving ourselves. If we're just locked into these lists that we check off, that we make discipleship a, pro, a, a system that we do, and people are not going to become mature. They're going to know all the right things to say. They're going to know all the right Bible verses, maybe. But they won't know how to live it. In order to live it, we have to be willing to set down the wisdom that we're used to and start to live according to the wisdom that God reveals. We have to be willing to relearn and unlearn the things that we're used to. And he finishes by saying this, The Lord knows the reasoning of the wise and it is worthless. <laughs> Therefore, let no one boast in men or people, for all things are yours, 
Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, Peter, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Jesus and Jesus is God's. So he starts us in this place. Remember, I told you there's no guilt, there's no shame. He starts us in this place saying, look, your eyes are fixed on things that are causing division, they're causing strife. You're, you're functioning out of this, this place of either don't know how or I've got power and I'm going to use it. And, and you're functioning out of your own strength instead of really listening to God. And he finishes by saying, stop. And the best thing about if you stop doing that is everything you could possibly need in wisdom, in power, in strength to invest, to plant, to water, to tend. Everything you could possibly need is at your disposal. Why? Because God said everything is mine, that's mine is yours. Everything. You need power to heal somebody? It's yours. You need the wisdom to walk with somebody and help them wrestle with stuff? It's yours. You need to figure out what color carpet the sanctuary needs to be or what music to play. Like, seriously, okay, if you really need that answer, in Jesus, it's yours. How to be unified when you're all different people and you have different opinions. Guess what? It's yours. How to be a disciple. How to continue and follow in this journey. It's yours. Why? Because if our identity is in Him, if we are truly a follower of His, then it's not a destination I'm trying to get to. It becomes a part of who I am. It's something I walk in daily. His power and His name become all that matters to me. Jesus has given us that access to every single ability and every single power that's His for the sake of making disciples and planting the seeds of the kingdom. So how does that how does that come out? So here's your third point if you're, if you're following points. Jesus has given us access to every ability and power that is his for the sake of making disciples and planting the seeds of the kingdom. I'll finish with this story, and I think it'll get the point across. I had 23,000 steps yesterday. For those of you who have a sense of steps, you know that's a lot. Let me put it into miles. 12 miles on my feet that whole time yesterday. What was I doing? We were, we were putting in concrete uh, disc golf tee pads at the disc golf park. And some of you know that that's kind of like, that's my, that's my third space. That's my, my place where I go to, you know, for mental health or what have you. But we're putting in concrete tee pads. And there was a team of like 15 people out there. And you know, at the end of the day, we spent the time making sure we had the right materials to build it so that these things are going to last a long time. We spent the time making sure that everything was finished just right. And I patrolled that park for hours afterwards to make sure that nobody else would carve their initials into one of the concrete tee pads, that nobody else would hit it with a disc and damage the tee pad, which happened. And that's okay. And I came home and I'm exhausted and I'm tired. I'm physically sore, although today you wouldn't be able to tell it. I'm hurting. But what's the most exciting part of that for me? That we're going to have tea pads? That, that, that play is going to be able to go in a different direction? That we had a satisfying good day of work? Now, the moments that mattered to me out of yesterday were the conversations 
and the relationships I saw forming, that as people who don't hang out together, except on the disc golf course, and people who don't play disc golf, and people who have no idea anything about disc golf, and people who just love sports, they all got together, and they hung out, and they worked hard, and they got to know each other. They built relationships, and we got to go to places with one another that were truly exciting. Um, I actually, it just so happened there was another pastor out there, and I didn't know he was a pastor. He doesn't even, he hasn't even showed up to club ever. <laughs> but two weeks ago, I'm out on the course, and he's just walking by. We struck up a conversation. He's like, hey, aren't you guys doing a project out here soon? Yep, told him the date. He's like, I'll be there. Okay. We get to the end of the day, and uh, we start chit-chatting. And I said, um, I said, are you a pastor? He's like, yeah. And I said, you know what told me that? And he goes, what? And I said, earlier when you said the most awesome thing about today is not all the work we're doing. It's how we're just enjoying each other in life. How we're building relationships so we can pour into one another. And I'm sitting there and going, dude, it's in you. It's in you. He's like, yeah. That's the kind of people Jesus is calling us to be. No matter what we're physically doing, we do it costly. But it's not just the costly materials we're building a something with. It's the costly materials we use in relationship to say, I love you. I care about you. And that starts with, hey, how you doing? It doesn't start with, you know, if you die today, you know where you're going? Now, granted, I don't want to make fun of people who are gifted that way and called that way. I just want to point out, that's not how our culture operates. And if a supernatural move of God comes on somebody and they're supposed to go and say that, by all means, please don't listen to me. But most of the time, the way that Jesus is drawing people to himself, the way we join him in that work of drawing people in to be citizens of the kingdom is to be a good citizen ourselves and to costly relationally invest in them and say, how are you? So as you go through this week and you're looking at the value of preparing people to follow Jesus, to be changed by Jesus and love like Jesus, you're going to see all of that. You're going to see Jesus doing that. You're going to see Paul doing that. Take that time. Let God show you those places where, hey, man, I'm really caught up in people stuff. Mature me, Lord. If you're not ready, help him mature you. If you've got a place where you're mature, say, Lord, bring somebody in my life I can do that with. I can, I can just show him that peace. Thank you for that. And spend the time going, Lord, what are you doing? Help me see what you're doing so I can join you in it. All right, let's pray. Father, there are all kinds of crazy people we're going to meet. Among them, chiefly, are us. We're just as weird as everybody else. We just don't know it because we live with us every day. Thank you, God, that you made us so uniquely. 
And God, when we look at the lives of other people that you bring into our life, help us to see them as your children, as precious people that you want to be part of the kingdom, that you want to see be fully alive. And help us to approach with caution, listening to you, following you, joining you in investing in their life, and at the same time, engage with a costly attitude. Sacrifice for their sake. Following your lead, not going on our agenda. Being willing to have it be as valuable as you need it to be for their sake. And God, in all things, as we do this, let us not be comparing ourselves to one another and who does what and who we think we should do what and get our eyes off of power and legacy. But with humility, help us to consider others worthy of your love and attention and that we would join you in, in living that and doing that. Thank you, God, in all the things that we do this week and everything we put our hands to. May there be those opportunities for relationship. May there be those opportunities to go that one step deeper. And even if they reject you, have them know we love them that much. We'll invest that costly, that way, that costly way in them so much that even if they deny you, we still care about them. And they still can come to us because they're not a notch on our Bible and notch on our belt. They're not an objective or a project. We simply see them the way you see them, and we want to love them the way you've called us to love them. Thank you, Father. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.